Welcome to the Human Conversation Podcast with Jules White, the real dragon slayer, author and entrepreneur sales coach. Tune in weekly for human conversation about business and sales. Enjoy business expert interviews, educational episodes and virtual cuppers with entrepreneur business owners. So grab yourself a cuppa and enjoy. Here is your host, Jules White. Welcome everybody to the Human Conversation and today I have got a fabulous lady with me who I had only just met actually, I've only just met this lady and yet we have this wonderful synergy from our past lives which we're going to talk about today but what I do want to do is introduce you first and foremost to Diane Titterton. She is the founder of Time to Flourish and she's all about mindset. Fantastic. Welcome, Diane, to the Human Conversation. Thank you, Jules. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to to be here and to get a chance to chat to you again. It is so nice for us to do this, you know, so soon after just meeting. But our virtual cuppa, people who know me, they will know I have virtual cuppas with people so I can get to know them. And we had this wonderful virtual cuppa and I found out so much about you. Isn't it amazing how we had these parallel lives that we never knew about really? Yeah, yeah, the similarities between it as well. And I think it was just as you were exiting your first business, I just started. Um, And I'd got, I so wish I'd known you then because you could have probably given me a huge amount of help and advice then. I think we would have been incredibly aligned, but let's not keep our listeners in suspense for much longer. But let me start, I always like to start at the beginning with my guests on the human conversation. So obviously I've just told everybody that what you really do right now is all around mindset, which is just fabulous work. And we all need that in our lives. But where did it start? So kind of, I, I know I left school when I was what, 16, only just 16 in the, in the old days. Yeah. Um, where, where did it start for you? What was your career starting point? Well, I, start, I left school and I had very clear views on what I wanted to do. So my dad had other views. My dad, whenever we went to careers fair, he used to take me around all the banking tables. He worked for the National Savings Bank and he thought a career in a bank was a really good career. So he used to steer me to Royal Bank of Scotland, Bank of Scotland or Marks and Spencers. That was another one to get a retail career. But I had this idea that I wanted to study business, business and marketing. And I didn't really know what marketing was about, but I just thought it sounded quite, quite good. <laughs> so I, I left school and I found the, cor- the exact course I wanted to do. Um, and I sort of local, it was at a polytechnic at the time that I went, but it was a five-year course because in Scotland, all the sort of degree courses are four years. And then there was an opportunity to do a, work, a year working a, out in industry which is something I really liked the idea of going out and working and even at that stage I did have views I wanted to own my own business but I wasn't sure in what so the course I chose was a general business course for the first year and then you got to choose whether you wanted to do human resources marketing or finance Um, so I thought that gave me the options at the beginning and then I could choose where I wanted to specialize and I did go into marketing and I did my year out with a marketing consultancy helping small businesses and I think that's where my love of small business came from 
because I worked with it must have been about 15 different companies doing all their marketing and uh, I felt I felt in a way that I was cheating a bit because it just seemed like common sense to me a lot of what we were doing and I liked that because I used to have to work quite hard at things like chemistry and maths so finding something that seemed like common sense that, that I loved doing as well was this huge gift yeah. So, so I left my course and did a graduate training program at Scottish Power in their business marketing department. From there, I ended up going out and working in America for six months doing a placement out there. They'd just taken over a company in America. So I went out there and, and worked over there doing it was sort of HR things, oddly enough, that I ended up doing out there. And that, that was the West Coast of America. It was a great experience, but as much as I loved traveling and I love holidays, and it was a great opportunity to travel all up and down the West Coast of America. At the end of it, I got the opportunity to stay out there for longer, but it just felt a bit too far away. And I missed the European culture. And I was at a stage I was engaged. We were looking at getting married and starting having a family. So that then brought Brought, well, brought us back down, back to the UK and down into to England at that stage because um, my husband got offered a job. So we ended up relocating down to the, the Midlands from Scotland and I left my sort of secure job in Scottish Power, which opened up more opportunities then because I was starting again and I started doing some consultancy, um, some contracting again for local small businesses. I, and I carried that on a bit while I had children but I had my two children really close together. And what I found though was because I didn't have my family around, it was really difficult to do any kind of contracting or consulting because you didn't have the regular hours. So you couldn't really commit to the childcare. So I ended up, I didn't do a lot of work for two years. And then I decided that to get back into it, I'd go and become a mentor for the Prince's Trust, mentoring other small businesses. And that helped me, it helped me get food back in the door. It helped me remember that I hadn't actually forgotten everything. And that although I was a mother, I did still have a, a brain as well and I could contribute to wider society. And uh, <laughs> I, I just wanted, I want to just go back just a little bit. First, I want to tell you that my first job was in the bank. Oh, I worked, yeah. My dad would have been very proud. Exactly. <laughs> and I needed to make sure you knew that. I worked for NatWest Bank for five years when I first came out of school. So that was my first proper job. Um, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was you say that you became a mentor for the Prince's Trust. For some yeah. reason, I'm sitting thinking, well, that couldn't have been easy to do. Was it just, did you apply? Was it just a job? advert that you saw how did you get involved in something like that? it was one of those sort of serendipitous moments i was sitting watching a it was a princess trust um gala or, that was on tv and then they did a bit at the end about the princess trust and the different things that that you can do within the princess trust and i thought oh that sounds good i'm going to give them a call so the next day i phoned them up and told them a bit about myself and they said yeah they showed me how to apply and I went in and had an interview and yeah, it was actually as easy as that. I think it was just being in the right time in the right place. Mm. And they had someone lined up almost immediately for me to go and start mentoring. I love that. And I, I'm just kind of thinking, because I know sort of how your story progresses and I know yeah. the listeners don't yet. I'm going <laughs> to hold my tongue. Um, but it, it's really beautifully connected actually to the next yeah. part of your story, isn't it? Yeah. So, so let, let's go a little bit further. Um, 
you were doing the mentoring at the Prince's so, Trust. Yes, I was how, doing. How long did you do that for? Um, I did that for about 10 years, all wow. in all. Yeah, okay. maybe so. And actually, the, the girl that I mentored laterally, I'm still in contact with her, although her sort of official mentoring is finished. And I'm now part of her business. And we are looking at launching a business in October, which is another pregnancy and child-related business. It's in. Which brings us beautifully <laughs> on to... Yeah. The subject in hand. So there I am chatting to Diane, listeners, in my virtual cuppa, and we're talking about Truly Madly Baby. And she then tells me about her business that she ran. Now, what year did you start your business, Diane? 2008, which was the year, started. Yeah, yeah, which was the year I lost my business. So you're right, yes. as soon as I finished my business, you started yours. Yeah. But the connection was what your business was. So tell us about well hang on first of all how did you come to start your own business from okay. being this mentor what, what, so, what changed I think it was being the mentor and actually helping other businesses that gave me the confidence that I could actually do it because as I was helping them and and also as well I think I felt a little bit of envy for these people that were actually out doing it and there was something in me that at that stage was holding back and standing in the sidelines but that just gave me the push that I thought I could I could do it and the company I was helping at that time they got investment um from Peter Jones from Dragon's Den it's crazy isn't it yeah. how, how amazing yeah. is this <laughs> and ended up on the program Tycoon that Peter Jones was doing at the time and I remember watching it and thinking I've got to give this a go it doesn't matter if it doesn't work and, and because I think my children were going to school at that stage, so I knew I was going to have more time. So I decided, yeah, I'm going to start a business. And it was, I mean, it was as crazy as that. That's it, I'm starting a business. And I thought, right, what am I going to do? So I had a friend out in Hong Kong. And so I spoke to her and said, do you fancy looking to see if we can find something together? And she said, yeah, there's this massive import-export fair in China. It's sort of three hours by train from Hong Kong. Come out and we'll go to that. So we went out and we had to wander around that for, for the day. Hang um, on, hang on, hang on. So we went out and wandered around that for the day. This is, this is <laughs> listeners, this is Diane going to Hong Kong, three-hour train to China, is that correct? And then wandering around for the day. Diane, you make it just sound like you went down the road. You know? <laughs> well, any excuse for a holiday and to travel, really. <laughs> Sorry, I, I interrupted you then. I'm I know, so sorry. It does, yeah, it's strange. I think all my life I seem to have come across things and just sort of thought, let's, let's do it. Because I think if I think about something for too long, I won't do it. So actually the things that I have achieved and done, it's because I've just sort of listened to my heart and gone with what felt right yeah. and gone out and done it. As it happened, we didn't find anything in the, in the Chinese import-export fair because it was so disappointing. Every single product that was there was already in all the shops over here. Yeah. And it was full of, you could see everyone with their lanyards and they were from big department stores. And there was nothing innovative, there was nothing exciting, nothing different. So we kind of played around with a, a business plan to do a, a, a children's uh, jewellery, silver jewellery, and looked at setting it up as a business model, the sort of home party idea, yeah. which will be familiar to you yes, as well. Yes, <laughs> so, so we, we did the business plan for that, but we, we, couldn't quite, we couldn't quite see, it didn't feel right, just didn't feel right. 
And at that stage then, another sort of coincidence, I was at a dinner party through my husband's work and was chatting to a lady who I knew, knew sort of vaguely, I'd met her a couple of times, and she was telling me that her son had had some issues potty training and um, without going into too much detail, he was having weighting and soiling issues. Mm. And she'd taken him to the um, health visitor and the health visitor told her that she had to fundamentally get him out of nappies. And she said, there's no way I'm getting him out of nappies unless there's another product I can put him in because he was needing, a, if he was in pants, he'd need a change of pants 16 times a day. And that's, that's just not pleasant. Mums don't get paid enough for that. No. <laughs> <laughs> so she decided that she was going, to, She well, she searched for the product online, couldn't find it. So started cutting up uh, women's sanitary towels at the kitchen table. And this had all happened like the day before I was sitting having dinner with her. And so she said, I was telling her that what I was doing, and she said, you fancy seeing if we can make this work. So we decided at that stage, we were going to give it three months. And at the end of three months, we decide whether or not we were going to carry on with it. So we sat, the first thing we did was we decided we were going to patent it. And uh, we'd, we'd, we had Jude had done some sort of cutouts of things. So we took that, took some drawings and just did our own patent application. We had no money for, for lawyers, no real idea how we were going about this. Um, but we thought, well, if we do this, at least we're, we're protected. And so we did our patent application, got that in. And then we managed to, to get a little bit of help. Um, it was the British Library where they had an IP specialist there. So we went up and met her and she helped us then write a proper patent. And we just took it from there. We did our three months. Thought, yeah, actually there's some, there's legs in this. Let's give it a go and carried on and started developing the product, researching the market and pretty quickly realised we were going to need investment as well because of the, it, it couldn't be manufactured in the UK, it could only be manufactured abroad. So mm. with the quantities we were talking about, we knew that we were going to need to get investment, which is, as you know, very time consuming. So that took up quite a bit of time. But yeah, yeah from there, yeah, we grew the business. We managed to get the product developed, managed to get some grant funding. Um, which helped us then develop prototypes. We found a manufacturer again through our own network. So much of what we've done has been through our own network yeah. or just serendipitously meeting the right person at the right time. Yeah. So we met our manufacturer um, and they said they'd make prototypes for us. And they also had contacts with all the buyers. So before we knew it, we were in pitching. Asda was the first person that we went and pitched to and we got that straight away and got a nice big order from them right so so diane you know i'm listening to this oh gosh i'm listening to this and i'm just thinking oh my goodness this is so amazing because not only the progress that you're making and the things that you're just pushing through and getting done you know that's really yeah. apparent in all the things you've just told me but anyone who runs a business knows what this stuff takes yeah you know? And especially when you've got a physical product. Yeah, I really have never run a business where I've developed my own product. I had a business where I picked products I liked and created a, a range of products, but I never yeah. had to manufacture them. I never had to patent them. I never had to think about minimum quantities, who was going to make them, cost prices, markups, yeah. wholesale. Yeah. Oh, you know, and I yeah. know so much about all of that now because yeah. I've learned 
but it's just the way you reel it off. So we got a patent and we met this. And it's, it just feels like there's a lot more to this than just the things you did. There's actually the whole you to this, Diane. I think it, it, was pushing, it was pushing through. I think the early stages, it would have been so easy to give up. Yes, exactly. The idea was great. And I love planning. I'm naturally, I love planning. So right at the beginning, I loved having the business plan, the marketing plan, working out what we were going to do with the packaging. We had that very well formed, but the biggest hurdle was finding someone that would manufacture. And I think we were selling all the time. We had to convince everyone that this was a great idea, that it was going to work. So that I think that was possibly the thing that got us through. Somehow we managed to <laughs> we managed to convince everything, everyone yeah. that, that we had what it took. But um, that but that's belief. That's belief, yeah. Um, yeah. and that comes from quite deep inside. I think because yeah. I was I was the same when I started Truly Madly Baby because I wanted to buy certain products. It was a bit different. I wanted to buy minimum quantities so I wasn't holding huge stock. Yeah. I also wanted to buy um, with uh, longer credit terms, yes. you know, so that yeah. I, I could sell them and then pay for them, you know, so I wanted all of those lovely situations. Yeah. And I had to go to people and say, please trust me. And they'd be like, but yeah. you're new, you need to pay cash up. But please trust me because I'm going to grow this business, you know. And, it, yeah. and actually the suppliers that really trusted me and believed me were the ones that actually had huge relationships with me financially. Yeah. I spent lots of money with them. Yeah. And so it paid out for them at the end. But they trusted me massively yeah. at the beginning. And I think it's all about, it, it, we say convincing. I'm not sure I love that word that much. because no. I always no. feel like that's, but, but it is about trying to convince people. But when you're passionate and you believe in something, it just feels different to somebody saying, oh, please, please yeah. give me some extra. This is real deep stuff, isn't it? Do you not think? Yes. Well, I think you know your why then. And when you know your why, you're prepared to go the extra mile and you yeah. can't give in. And in some ways, I find that that's a bit of a weakness for me now that I can't give in. <laughs> like, I know, I'm the same. I need to let go of. It's like, <laughs> let it go. Just let yeah. it go. And I'm like, yeah. no, I can make this work. You said no, you meant not yet. <laughs> I'll convince you I'm right. <laughs> a woman after my own heart, I think. So tell us tell us a bit more about the story. You've obviously done so much. You've brought this product yeah. to market. So, um, yeah. You're talking to Asda. Yes. Yeah, you know, so there's another got, thing. Yeah. Yeah. Well they were one of the they were the first to take it and actually they were brilliant with us. They were really good. We managed to get all the major supermarkets at one stage or another. Tesco were the hardest to crack. And uh, unfortunately, we cracked Tesco, and that was a massive had a massive positive impact on the business in terms of scale. But then that was at the time when they were having their issues and they were cutting back all their product lines because they were finding, I think, a bit of a paradox of choice. They had too much choice mm. for people that weren't buying, and they were looking at Aldi's and Lidl. So at that stage, I think it was just overnight they decided they were going to cut their product lines by a third. And we were in the aisle with Pampers and Huggies. So you can guess which third they decided to cut. Yeah. And that was really unfortunate because we just, on the back of having Tesco, we'd managed to um, get investments to a TV campaign. So the TV campaign was about to go live. In fact, it, it went live just as they were delisting us from their stores. Oh, gosh. And the sales, the impact of that was huge. That, that 
campaign was amazing. It did really well. It was a 30 second advert. It did so well. It did, and the plus side, it cleared all the stock out of their stores. So it meant we didn't need to buy any stock back. But once we lost that listing, we then, we didn't have enough distribution to be able to rerun the TV campaign because we couldn't get enough sales from it. So it was one of those, and that was the sort of the start of the hurdles of scale. We couldn't quite get the scale. We, we kept trying even after we were delisted. We thought, give it a year and we can, we can get back into Tesco, yeah. but we couldn't. Um, so the sales we had in the UK, they weren't enough to, to get us profitable. So we knew we had to expand out. So we tried because there's two uses for this product. It can be used for general quality training and also for children that have got wetting and soiling issues. So we thought, but that's that's quite a niche market. Yeah. But we had some good connections in, in that and they're long-term users. So we looked at could we go abroad with that? But trying to get into medical companies abroad, it's, that was proving very difficult. So we thought we really need to crack the potty training market in another country. And we did the, what so many other companies do because it looks so appealing and we went to the States. <laughs> and um, so we went out and once again, we got on a plane. <laughs> we went out and um, we went and we pitched to Toys R Us out there. We'd found, we'd found an account manager who helped us get in, get an appointment with Toys R Us. So we went to, to New York and pitched it to Toys R Us. They were, they were really interested, really keen on it. And we'd always thought the American market was a really great market for it because they're very product orientated and solution orientated. And the issue we had in the UK is some, some people were a little bit stiff upper lip and sort of, um, you know, we don't put sanitary towels in our children's pants, not in boys' pants anyway. Yeah. So we did get a little bit of backlash from that, which we would have got over, I'm sure, because that's an education yes. process and it just takes time. But that was, I remember, we put something in Net Mums. And we got slated for putting children in sanitary pads. So, so just right, I'd like to connect um, a mindset piece to this. Yeah. Because isn't this a fixed mindset? Definitely. You heard of yeah. one? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah, and it was mums as well. Because I thought maybe it's dads, but it was mums saying, "No, my boy's not wearing that." And you think, well, we've got a solution here because it accelerated potty training. And the big issue just now is that. The big nappy companies are making nappies bigger and bigger because they want to keep children in nappies as long as possible. And they didn't like us at all. No. And when we went to Boots, Boots told us they weren't allowed to list us because um, it might upset the, the powers. Companies. Yeah, the powers. And they spend a lot of money on advertising, yeah. which of course they do. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so we'd, we'd always thought that um, going to the States would be good. So we went there, pitched Toys R Us, and they put us in all their stores. They said they'd take us in all their stores throughout the whole of the US. So that was slightly daunting, but we then had to set up, because a lot of the systems were quite antiquated. They couldn't pay us internationally. They could only pay us by check and things, unless <laughs> we had a had a, an American uh, business set up. So we then had to go through a huge amount of legals to set up an American company, make sure that we were filling in all the right forms with an American bank account. So it took us about six months to get all the sort of paperwork and it cost a huge amount of money. We got all our stock, we got stock remade in China and then shipped out to the States. We went through all the sort of safety, got all the safety documentation that we needed and went through all that testing. 
got it all to warehouse in the States, got it out to the stores in Toys R Us, and three weeks later they went bust. So that was it. Diane, um, I mean, my my stomach just dropped then, because although I knew that's what you were going to say, because we've had our virtual cuppa, I felt like it was like I'd gone back in time to the moment I lost my business. And I think although it's different circumstances, it's that feeling of the loss. It was like a grief when I lost. Yeah, it was so disappointing. I think when you put so much in. Yeah. Yeah, it's raw, um, isn't it? Yeah, it's really it is, raw. Yeah. And it feels a bit like bad luck. And on one hand, I think it, it there's no place for bad luck in business. And the more you try, the luckier you get. But it felt between Tesco in the UK. Yeah. And then I, I always say to my business partners, it's a bit like the law of unattraction. It was like the harder we <laughs> push, the further away it goes. So let's just quickly talk about that moment because I think you know this is this is the interesting part of human conversation. For yeah. Me is me sort of, I know how I felt. And what, what did it mean to you after all of that hard work? I mean, I'm, I'm listening to all the things you did. I know how hard all of that yeah. was, you know? I think it's a feeling of, well, disappointment. It's a feeling of, I think it was our investors by that stage had put a lot of money in the business. So it's the responsibility to pay back that money. I think yeah. that, that was really tough. Yeah. Um, and I guess because you do, you can't help but take it personally and feel that you've you've sort of you've let yourself down or you've you've done something you sh- you should have seen it or yeah, but you made a mistake. You or, couldn't have seen that. Yeah, like who no. would have said that Toys R Us would have gone out of business? Everybody no, was as no. shocked as the next person yeah, when that were, news yeah, came, weren't they? Yeah. So at the time, we tried. We really tried to pick it back up, and we found another another distributor. In the on the east coast of the states, and we were looking at doing a deal with them to distribute it. And we were going to just do the east coast initially. They had a few leads with it, and we went out, got on another plane, went back out, and had some meetings with them about it. And we nearly did the deal, but the trouble was the stakes had just suddenly got very higher because if we were trying to launch in across multiple smaller retailers, we were going to need a huge marketing budget. Mm. Um, and there was a huge amount of risk to investors and that was the first time where I actually thought "Mm, if this was my money I'm not quite sure I would invest it and it was at that stage it didn't feel right then to be doing it um so we we couldn't we couldn't make the numbers work anyway we couldn't find get the reward for the risk that we felt we were going to do and the company we were dealing with were big on taking the upside but weren't quite so keen on sharing any of the risk Mm -hmm. so it just we never quite got that deal off the table we tried to sell a bit through amazon ourselves but we, we couldn't get the volume and the costs of just maintaining a u.s company were too high so instead, we started uh, um, looking at different ways that we could expand out. And we started a potty training website, which was more potty training, less about the product. But the, the idea being the more we can educate people on potty training, if we can become the go-to for that, then we can weave the product in and make it normalised and sort of potty training. Yeah. So we, so we started doing that. We, were getting, we got really good results from that. We had a sort of potty training live, we called it, that we ran every year, where we had, like, it was about a thousand parents 
uh, potty training with us over eight weeks and we were sort of helping them through the different steps. We'd written a, a book as well. We launched a book, published a book called How to Potty Train. But we didn't get we didn't get huge sales out of that. So we were trying lots of diff- different things. Yeah. And we started a children's shop, online shop called Toddler Barn with our products and then some other other things as well. So we had various things going on, but again, we just couldn't we couldn't get the scale. We couldn't I think as well we'd left it almost too late because by that stage the business had a huge amount of debt. Mm. So I think our investors were sort of they were getting a bit nervous about it that they weren't going to see the return we were nervous they weren't going to see the return and we were nervous that they were having to keep putting more money in and that was that was the thing that made me feel uncomfortable that every month we were having to go back to them and ask for more money to keep the business afloat yeah so in the end we decided well the investors withdrew the the funding and we then we we sold the dry like me the the sort of the core business we sold that to the manufacturing distributor and they have carried it on I don't know if they will in the longer term but they certainly for all they said that they carry on with the stock because that was the other thing that I thought we used to get we used to get a lot of people contacting us particularly with children that had waiting and soiling issues saying what a life changer this product was how it helped it meant the children could go to school in their own pants they didn't need to wear nappies to school Mm. so it was a product that was doing a lot of good so it's, it was I was really pleased that it was going to continue yeah and hope it does continue yeah. in the um, longer so term what year was it that this kind of all ended then how long did the business run it was, for it was 2019 so it was oh, last gosh. May wow. yeah that so was yeah really recent then isn't yeah, it yeah it was yeah so that's sort of a yeah, year damn. that we've been we've been out of it yeah um so, so I mean I feel I learned a huge amount it was like doing an MBA in business it was a fantastic experience we got to see some amazing places, meet some really interesting people. So I have no regrets at all, other than that we couldn't pay back the investment. Yeah. I think that's really the only one. But, oh, but. Diane, I, I, you know, I'm listening to you. I bet the listeners are thinking, my God, this woman, you know, you're, you're just so positive. It's like, so, well, it was like doing an MBA. And it's like, you know, <laughs> yeah. so all the positive things that you got out of yeah. it, you know, and all the learning that you had out of it. You're amazing. You're amazing. <laughs> because, you know, I talk about bounce back ability. Um, because somebody once said to me, oh, you've got bounce back ability. I'm thinking, I haven't got it, but this woman has. Um, Amazing, amazing, inspirational story. And you are because of your whole attitude to this. And I think this really brings me nicely onto what you're now doing, um, if I can be so bold, because I certainly don't want the whole um, human conversation to be just about that, although it's fascinating, it's been wonderful and inspiring. I want to talk about your bounce back ability. And actually, even though it was only, what, a year ago that this all kind of ended, what are you doing now? Okay, so I have a new business now. (laughs) Well, I'm not surprised. (laughs) I I think this is the keeper. I do believe this is the business I I will be doing on the day I die, and I will still be doing it. Um, So a hobby of mine since 1999 when I was pregnant, I went along and did antenatal yoga and a big part of that was all about mindset, mindfulness, preparing for the birth and I really, really enjoyed it and I carried on doing mindfulness and meditation after the children were born to help me cope with not getting enough sleep and just general 
um, demands of toddlers and b- bigger children. And I still use it to the same teenagers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I really, and so I loved the sort of the mindfulness and mindset. That, and it is, it's, I think that's why I've managed to be so positive, take the learning from things, moving on from acceptance and then moving on. So a lot of, the, a lot of it was about teaching myself I think the tools to be able to cope with being in business and what I find from doing my um, mentoring with the Princess Trust a lot of the businesses I was speaking to I wasn't just telling them about what I'd done in business and advising them on the business side but also I was coaching them in their mindset because every decision they make is through the filter of their own mind and very often the things that were holding them back it wasn't that they didn't know their their core business they knew they knew that really well it was the fear it was the doubt it was the imposter syndrome it was the procrastination it was all these things that were holding them back which are all things that I have to say I do still suffer from in my existing business we all do (laughs) we all do honestly and, and I think that's a big learning for people as well that we do when you look at people I remember when I was younger and I went first started work I used to look at these really accomplished people in their 40s and think wow I can't wait till I get to that stage when I'll know everything and I'll be so confident and I'll be able to make decisions and I won't doubt myself and then God the arm was like oh my god yeah it's just it's always there it might not be there quite in the abundance it is when you're younger but it's definitely there and I think what we do over time, as you know, is we just develop tools and, and yes. ways to deal with it better, I think. Yeah, I think so. That doesn't yeah. say it goes away forever no. um, because I think it's just a natural thing. It's a human, it's actually a human nature thing, I think. It is. And I always yeah, feel... I always feel it's important to say about fear that it's our ally and it's trying to protect us because I yes. feel like that gives me a better relationship with it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's well, I think that's true. I think it is. Yeah. It is just the sort of small self saying, oh, you better be careful. Stay yeah. in your comfort zone. Yeah. If you go in your comfort zone, bad things can happen. You can get eaten by lions. Yeah, can <laughs> you imagine uh, our fear, me and you, what it must have been saying over the years to us? It must have been yeah. screaming. <laughs> Get back, go home. What the hell are you doing? <laughs> Don't step in another plane. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so you're you're working now. So, are you working with uh, pregnant women, or are you? No, I tend it... to be business people. So, yeah. So, from working with people through the Prince's Trust, I recognised that in business there was a real need for this amongst professional people, and I'm working now with. Well, it's all ages. I'm surprised actually how young some of the people are, but I think there's a huge amount of pressure now on younger people because things like to be available almost 24 hours a day, there's emails when you go home. So I think the sort of pressures on them, they feel a lot of the the pressures and burnout seems to be getting to people a lot younger. Mm -hmm. So I help people, I, I help, the aim of this business is to help people achieve more and worry less and break out of their shell. And that's, that's a sort of personal passion of mine that I see so many people that are following the path that they think they should be following. Yes. Doing all the things, being the good girls. So good girls right from when they're at school, they're encouraged, be quiet. She's a nice, quiet girl. Yeah, she does what she's told. And then, yes, they do the right thing. And then I think even just as mothers, that you're always putting other people first. So you get into this real mindset of I don't matter so much. And um, and so my passion is to help all the good girls 
do what they want to do. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Now, so are you only working with women? Is that specific? For no, you? Is not, that your preference? Or? No, no, not really. It's, um, it tends to be more women that, I'm, that I do work with, but I have had some men as well in the group courses. I had some men who actually have the same issues. Yes. Um, exactly the same. They struggle with the fear of the imposter syndrome and I think they just, they hide it more. Yeah. And um, so I, I have had a couple of, a, a sort of a, yeah, two men. I was a group of 12 and I had two men yeah. within the group. So that tends to be the sort of the, the ratio. The ratio. But yeah. isn't it interesting what you said about, you know, we, we do what we should do. We do what we're told yeah. we should do. But yeah. I think it's the same for men. And maybe that's changing. And I hope it is because I've yes. got a beautiful son who's coming up to 16 and I want him to have this whole... Um, I don't know, sort of world at his feet where he can just be him and not Definitely. have to be a certain yeah. type of person. But I think men traditionally have been told, well, you're the head of the family or yeah. you're the strong one or, you know, you don't yes. cry and men don't yeah. cry. And, no. and so all of those things have caused men to actually internalise stuff. I think but so, yeah. We don't, we don't want them to internalise. Certainly no. you and I don't, knowing the no, things that we've no. learned. No. So I think... I've had more men work with me through the pandemic than I've yes. ever had, yeah. which has been glorious. I've loved yeah. it. And I think, you know, I think maybe you're going to see the same where maybe some more men do come forward. Yeah, I think so. And actually mindfulness is really good for men in the way that it's not talking therapy. It's not like going to a therapist. They don't need to tell me a lot of the things that we end up going through. It's nice if they do want to share it, but actually it's about going inside and it's about learning to, to listen to what's going on inside you and accept and recognize a lot of the emotions. Because I think you're, you're right when you say men are being sort of brought up in a certain way, we've got to be a certain way. We can't show emotion, but a lot of the time they won't even show it to themselves. No. And they're not even recognizing it. So it's so it's great for men. You can get some really great results with men because they can they don't need to just chat about it. They can just come to it in their own time. Yeah. Yeah. So because I've come from a business background as well, a lot of the work that I end up doing, I weave in quite a lot of, sort of frameworks and work of Stephen Covey and a lot of the coaches, the sort of business coaches. And that always when I tell when I tell the men that I've got a framework for them, they get quite excited. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a bit of structure to it as yeah. well yeah no, that's that's awesome so just um quickly in terms of like your business then how how do you work with people how's it at, structured at the moment it tends to be I'm doing some one-to-ones with people so um that's obviously all through zoom at the moment but that works well because yeah. I've got clients just now I've got one that's in the other side of the country and I've got one that's in America so it works really well that um, you can get people uh, further afield and zoom works works well for this thing again yeah. for mindfulness because you can be in your own safe environment um, and still and still get the progress so so I tend to do one-to-ones and I've just launched an online course that's just going up on my website just now. I'm just redoing on my website. And that's all about finding stillness and chaos. So that has been written specifically for COVID and 2020, the year of change and uncertainty. I think often, all too often, what we do is we deal with stuff when, when it's actually not too yeah. late necessarily, but when it started to do the damage, we say, yes. oh, we probably better do something about this now yeah. then. You know, and it. I'm guilty. I'm terribly, terribly guilty of not having enough me time. I work, 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 yeah. work. 
I love my work, which doesn't help. Exactly. (laughs) Because I enjoy it, but I'm very aware that I don't stop to have a walk and I don't stop to. So I'm trying really hard to filter that into my days now and my routine. And it's not self indulgent. That's no. it's, it's so important no. to do that for our health in the same way that we don't think going to the gym self-indulgent if we go and run for half an hour in the gym yeah. I think we need to change our mindset towards self-care and looking after our mental well-being and see it as wellness it's not weakness to go and work in this area but it is about building resilience so that we can cope with all the all the hard things that come up in all our lives I wonder if just some of the things in pandemic have urged some of us to change how we think about life yeah. and um just how we live our lives and Definitely. i think we took a lot for granted uh, and yeah. i hope we come out the other side not taking so much for granted and perhaps yeah. just being even more um maybe leading a simpler life yes. but a more fulfilling yeah. life yeah. if that makes yeah. sense you know? and understanding your priorities yeah so if if we choose that we want to work 14 hours a day then that that's great so long as you're doing some self-care in amongst it but <laughs> yes. if you don't and you want a change in career or you want to do something then i think this is this has actually helped a lot of people because it has forces all to slow down that's for sure yeah I, i'm absolutely sure there's got to be a part two to this podcast actually <laughs> the more i think about it because we've <laughs> We've covered so much amazing ground together. Yeah. I, I want to make sure everybody can connect with you um, because I know they'll want to. Where's the best place to find you? Where do you hang out? So I do quite a lot on LinkedIn and Instagram. I'm trying to be better at Instagram and Facebook. Um, but LinkedIn tends to be where I'm, I'm, I'm most active just now. And I'm starting a YouTube channel after watching Clarice at the yeah, weekend. <laughs> yeah. So just for the listeners, Clarice is a lady who I've known for some time. And she came into my membership. So a little plug there for my membership. Yeah. And Diane's a member in my membership, yeah. which is I love that, Diane, that you're already in there. Super to have you. And it's all based around a high street. That's kind of the whole kind of, um, I suppose, the exciting bit about it is everything's a shop a different type of shop for you to connect learn and belong I love it. yeah i think it's lovely it's really simple isn't it but yeah. but also i just love being in there doing stuff and adding yeah. the bits and bobs and part of it is actually these guest experts who come in and clarice came in and did this session all about youtube didn't she Diana? yeah it was great it was and, really helpful and it was really helpful and it was just those really simple things that are those mm. question marks in yeah. when you're starting to do something well should i do it like this and how should yeah. i set it up and so it was massively helpful wasn't it yeah that? it was yeah and it was great I think Clarice was on the podcast, I've got to guess this, episode 23, I think. Right. Um, so this will be, I think you're going to be about 70-something this episode, right. Diane. Yeah, so that's she brilliant. was She was on some yeah. time back. Yeah. But yeah, she's super, super clever lady. So I'm so glad yeah. you enjoyed that. But YouTube, oh my goodness, yes. YouTube's the way to go, isn't it? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, I think it's massive. It's an SEO and... Yeah, to yeah. be able to be found and the links yeah. up with your website. So you know, I'm loving the membership. I'm really pleased that I've joined it because what I found doing this business, because for all in my last business, we did a huge amount of selling. We were selling all the time, but there was always a product in focus. And actually I had a business partner as well. So in some ways it was easier because there was two of us. Yeah. I did feel when I started my business now, it's only me. So I felt very much in the spotlight. 
and not in a good way and, <laughs> and also because there's not a product so I felt that all the attention was on me whereas before we could talk about the product and that has actually been quite a big barrier to me now I have I have recognized I have procrastinated a lot because I have been reluctant to sell myself because I think it just sounds like I'm just saying I'm anti-amazing and what if I'm not which I know I am I know I know my stuff oh, really you well are. but I just I just don't like saying that yeah. and telling people. It just makes me feel a bit like, oh. Yeah, and I think, you know, one of the big things I do with clients who don't have a product, because I work with both, which is which I love. Again, I'm so yeah. fortunate. Yeah. But the, the guys who don't have a product, what we do is we productize their offering. Yeah. So we make it feel like a product. Yes. And it, it's a massive shift mindset-wise, because you'll know all about this anyway. Yeah, definitely. It's yeah. a huge shift to suddenly actually be selling a product, even though you're the product, actually you're selling them a product because yes. it's a program or it's a course or it's yes. a, you know, a network or a membership. Um, and whilst actually that's driven by you as the product, yeah, it's a product separate almost. You yeah, know? I love that. Actually, that's yeah. really clever because already you just think, oh, yeah, so just need yeah. to focus on my product. That's fine. That's, yeah, they be, and they become an entity in themselves. No, I love exactly. that. That's a great so, so there's a tiny bit of sales coaching right there live yeah. on the podcast. <laughs> Look, but honestly, it's all these little tiny things. A lot of it, as you said, and as we've said in this episode, mm. it's about mindset and how yeah. we approach things and our attitude and that can-do attitude that you yes. have yeah oh my goodness it's just phenomenal I, I've, I've loved listening to your story which I hadn't had in such detail so <laughs> it's been amazing before we finish because I don't want to because I always say that because I don't ever want to I can talk for England. What's your parting thoughts or, or tips? For well, I'd say don't, don't be afraid of failure. Just do it. I think if people are listening to this, there's, some, there's a reason they're listening. There's something inside them that has some spark of desire to be in business, work in business. So take, take the first step today. Don't wait. And don't worry about having it all planned out or feeling that you need to, to know the answer and what you're going to be doing in, in six months' time. We always took the view, try it for three months and then reassess. But the important thing is taking the action because I think so many people, and again, I'm guilty of this, feel it's got to be perfect before you take action. But I just do it, just try it and see it. And if it doesn't work out, it'll be okay. Something else could come out of it. Or that learning from what you're doing now could then feed into something else in future. You never know. I don't think there's ever a wasted conversation, meeting, business idea or anything. It's all relevant and you can get ideas and nuggets of gold in every single one of them. Mm, Diane. What an amazing way to finish this fabulous podcast. I love oh, it's that. It's been great. It's so been much. lovely. I love chatting <laughs> to you. If you chat to you all day. What a great human <laughs> conversation. Thank you so much for your time. And I know that we're going to talk even more. You're going. You're in the membership. We're yeah. going to chat. We're going to have, we'll have virtual cuppers and whatever, you know. Um, such synergy. Such yeah, an amazing definitely. lady. If, if you learn nothing else about yourself in this podcast, Diane, you need to understand how inspirational you are. Oh, thank because, you. Because uh, there's a lot of get, get up and go there that many people yeah. will be really, really inspired by. Yeah, I'm and sure. I hope they do. I hope they do. Yeah. That's what it's all about. It but is, yeah. So thank you. 
Thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure. Thank you for and having me. Listeners, what an amazing conversation. You know, I, I always feel really energised when I've had my yes. human conversations with my guests. But thank you for listening because without you as listeners, we wouldn't have a podcast. And if you want to make sure you subscribe and you like, please do whatever platform you listen on. We are on SoundCloud, Stitcher, we're on Apple Podcasts and we're on Spotify. And of course, you can also see us and watch us on YouTube. So thank you for listening and join us again the next time on The Human Conversation. Ta-ta for now. You've just been listening to The Human Conversation podcast with Jules White. To find out more about the other work that Jules does, please visit her website, www.liveitloveitsellit.co.uk. And if you enjoyed the podcast, then please do leave a rating and review on the platform you use to enjoy her show. Thanks for listening and see you next time.